0: time frame, 2021, we actually coined the name based on a text string we found in one of the first binaries the team was ripping apart that contained the word private loader in one of the file directory paths.
1: That's Michael DeBolt. He's Chief Intelligence Officer at Intel 471. The research we're discussing today is titled Private Loader, The First Step in Many Malware Schemes.
0: And since then, we've really just been tracking the evolution of uh, the loader itself and the unidentified PVI service, which is a pay per install service that um, is connected to this private loader Mm. piece of malware. So the diversification of the different kind of malware that this thing is deploying and just the geographic spread of where we're seeing these victims has been quite uh, something to track over the
1: past few months. Can you help us understand what we're talking about when we say pay-per-install malware services? What exactly does that represent?
0: Yeah, so uh, let's take a step back. Private loader is uh, a type of loader malware. Uh, Sometimes we call this a dropper malware. And its primary purpose is to install other malware payloads onto victim machines. So those other malware payloads could be anything from remote backdoors to Banking trojans, information stealers. We, we've even seen uh, ransomware at times. Um, so this private loader malware is connected to a paper install service, which we've actually, interestingly enough, haven't been able to connect the private loader malware to any to a known service in the underground. We can touch on that if you want. But PPI yeah. services um, have been around for a very very long time. They're typically advertised in underground forums, and they offer. The convenience of outsourcing the distribution of malware in a very reliable and affordable way, so operators behind PPI services they basically earn money by accumulating infected hosts, and we call those uh, installs and uh, spreading malware samples supplied by um, paying clients. so clients could come in, they typically you know they select which installs they want based on the number of installs based on geographic location, and a number of other variables. And like other enabling services that we see, like bulletproof hosting, for instance, um, PPI services are really important for the cybercrime ecosystem because if you think about it over the years, us as security professionals, we've kind of made things uh, increasingly harder and more difficult for malware operators to actually get their malware onto victims' uh, machines. Mm. So these dedicated services... They offer a great way for actors to offload this burden so they can focus their time and energy on the actual profits from uh, from their payloads, whatever that might be.
1: Right. Now the folks who are offering up these paper install services, I mean have they do they have a, a collection of uh, systems out there that they've already penetrated and are just waiting for them to pull the trigger and put you know your malware on there, you know today?
0: They do have an inventory of pre-infected, we'll just call them pre-infected installs that are sort of ready-made and off-the-shelf you can get. So the, the private loader malware is distributed through a network of fake websites that lure unsuspecting visitors to download cracked or pirated software. And the theme of the day for this group in particular is mostly around antivirus programs or privacy tools. So they use websites that uh, have search engine optimization or SEO To appear at the top of the results page whenever users for you know search for words like cracked program or cracked download or or something similar, visitor goes to one of those websites. They click on a download link. The embedded JavaScript makes a few uh, redirects and eventually downloads this private loader payload um, from one of the backend servers that the operators manage, and that's typically in the form of a password protected ZIP file. So then it gets onto the victim's machine, and the loader malware is either installed by itself. Or it may come with uh, another payload from, say, a client who paid for that install. Um, hey, I want I want to drop also an information stealer or a banking trojan, uh, or, or even another uh, loader, like smoke loader, uh, which is actually quite common in this case. And then, like you said, from there, once private loader is installed on the victim's machine, that victim becomes part of, we'll just call it the PPI services inventory. Um, mm-hmm. And then the actors can... Can manage it. They log into a, a web panel, uh, kind of an administration panel where it's basically a portal where clients can log in. They can manage their installs. They can upload their malware to be encrypted and delivered. There's the statistics page. It's actually quite uh, professionalized and quite common to see this in the PPI space.
1: Do you have any sense for how much churn they have? In, in other words, you know they they prepare a system to to later have something dropped on it. Do we have any idea for how persistent they're able to be, how long they're able to stay on those systems, or are they noisy enough that they're getting detected and kicked out?
0: Yeah, I don't have any statistics to back any of this up, but I would say this is more of a quantity game than a quality game, if that makes any sense. I mean, this is more about accumulating as many installs as possible to give your clients, in this case, malware operators that want to deploy their malware, as many um, options as possible around the world for them to choose which installs that they want to they want to deploy their malware to at any given time. So it's you know I'd say the churn is pretty heavy. I mean, you're talking about you know the vast majority of what is deployed through these PPI services are highly commoditized malware. So the blocking and tackling of the of those particular types of malware is a little bit easier than say nation state um curated malware where it, it becomes a little bit more challenging to identify and block uh, those attacks so i'd say the churn is a little bit more um for ppi services to try to keep up their inventory but i mean we're talking about you know many 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 installs at any given time they can withstand churn if you will
1: i see One of the things that you all have tracked here in your research are the various malware families that get dropped here. Can you give us a little description of of what's going on and and what this indicates to you?
0: It's interesting because on its face, uh, there's nothing really that sets this PPI service apart from other similar services. In fact, most of the activity, and you'll see this in our blog, with the delivery mechanisms and the commodity malware that we're seeing a drop is is kind of low to mid level stuff, but um, one notable thing that we that did catch our attention and we noticed this in our blog as well is that private loader was used to drop some high level, um, high profile malware, including Drydex and, and Trickbot and a couple others in a very short time window. So that's interesting. We don't know yet if this indicates any sort of um, formal partnership between the PPI service provider and those more sophisticated crews. It could be some sort of affiliate arrangement um, or or it could be that these crews are simply testing this new private loader PPI service as a new um, delivery mechanism. But it's definitely something to keep an eye on as it would indicate um, early indication, I would say that this service is operating at a higher echelon of reputation and, and credibility by working with those more sophisticated uh, malware families.
1: Now you also noted that Private Loader embeds a region code in its communications with its C2 server. Um, what does that represent in your estimation?
0: Sure, it's just another way for... Um, these PPI service providers to sort of categorize and offer um, clients who are coming in to select their installs, another factor, another variable to which they can um, select installs that cater to the different types of malware that they're using. So say for instance, I'm a malware operator and I want to target banks within a certain region. I'm going to select uh, installs within that, within that region that, um, I know uh, victims are logging into a certain uh, a bank or a, bank, a set of banks within that region that my malware is catered to, um, say, steal their login credentials, for instance. So it's just another way for PPI services to offer that um, as another feature within their service that actors can leverage for more targeted geo- geographic uh, attacks.
1: Do you have anything that indicates any sort of, you know, with any confidence, any attribution of who's behind this?
0: yeah so that's the tricky part right um attribution is always um the 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 hardest thing to accomplish whenever we're doing cyber crime research um and i always like to say just as a side note we don't do attribution for attribution's sake we want to do attribution to know who the actors are behind whatever the threat is so that we can establish a pattern of you know how are they acting what are the ttps that we're likely to see you know, we've seen with ransomware actors, for instance, them rebranding over and over and over again. Uh, well, if you're chasing the brand names, it's harder to understand the TTBs if you feel like you're starting over um, from square one each time. Well, in reality, some of these actors are just re- rebranding. They're the same actors doing the same stuff. They're just rebranding. So uh, that's just kind of a side note around attribution. We do have some, as it relates to this, I mean, we do have some indication of some of the actors uh, that might be involved in developing this private loader malware and in a sense um, also connected with the unknown PPI service. I don't want to go too much into that right now just because it's kind of based on some sensitive methods that that we're mm. using and source, sources that we have. But I will say that we do in all likelihood expect that this PPI service will um, probably announce itself in the near time within uh, within the underground forums that that we we commonly see announce similar services.
1: Now you point out that uh, the most common payload you saw pushed by private loader was uh, something called Smoke Loader. Um, anything noteworthy there?
0: Yeah, I mean loader pushing another loader, right? I mean that's kind of right. what we're seeing here. You know, we've been tracking Smoke Loader for a long time. It's been on the scene since I think since at least two thousand eleven. If I'm not mistaken, you know, it it offers another layer of capability for actors who are are using perhaps private loader for the initial delivery mechanism, but then landing smoke loader on an install. And And smoke loader is very modular. So it has in addition to its loading capabilities, it also has a number of different functionality that can be added on password stealing, it could even do DDoS, cryptocurrency mining. So it's very mm-hmm. flexible um, and it can be very persistent. So it's really no surprise to us to see that at the top of the list as um, the kind of the top malware family that we're seeing pushed through this private loader malware.
1: You know, uh, typically I, I will, you know, ask uh, my guests uh, what their recommendations are for people to uh, to uh, protect themselves against this thing. But it, I, I guess it's fair to say number one is. Don't download cracked software.
0: Yeah, I think that's a that's a <laughs> that's a pretty uh, pretty you know glaring takeaway here. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, these are pretty straightforward security operations. You know, tracking commodity malware. You know, the biggest thing is, you know, you want to protect against. This is going to sound real obvious, right? But you want to protect against being a victim of a of a PPI installation. You don't want to be. You know, you don't want any of your employee workstations to become part of this inventory that sort of bad guys can pick and choose from to deploy whatever malware they want to, right. um, you know, it requires re- regularly monitoring the underground for these new PPI services and the associated, you know, loader malware that's connected to them. You know, understand their backend infrastructure, the delivery mechanisms, you know, like you said, searching for or installing crack software, that's a big no-no. So maybe we can use that as you know, employee awareness and training material, right? To get them (laughs) to understand the actual ramifications of what they're doing. So,
1: Right, right. If you find yourself at the point where you feel like you need to buy uh, cracked antivirus software, please speak to the security team and we will do our best to get that funded for you. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) And it's interesting because we're, you know, with the whole COVID pandemic thing over the past two or three years or whatever it is now, We've seen with, the you know, remote working, you know, everybody, you know, going home and working and bringing your own device and all this stuff. I mean, it's not out of the realm of, you know, increased possibility and probability that you would see uh, employees, well-intentioned employees trying to, you know, secure their, their home laptop, right? Yeah. And going out and doing it on their own. So it's definitely something to keep in mind.
1: Thanks to Michael DeBolt from Intel 471 for joining us. The research is titled Private Loader, the First Step in Many Malware Schemes. We'll have a link in the show notes. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and zero trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and zero trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit N-E-T-S-K-O-P-E The Cyberwire Research Saturday is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Liz Irvin, Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brandon Karp, Eliana White, Peru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carole Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Mo, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Ibin, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner.